0: Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ben. Appreciate that. Lest I forget, on your way out today, we have a gift from Pastor Chapel in the lobby. And so uh, he wanted to wish you a Merry Christmas. And that'll be in the lobby on the way out today. So if I forget, which I tend to do at the end of chapel, forget those last announcements. So you'll remind yourself, I'm sure. Nobody, nobody walks past a gift. So uh, on the way out, make sure you go out the back doors and the uh, faculty will be there to get that to you on your way today. Take your Bible, let's go to 1 Kings chapter 20, 1 Kings chapter 20, read just two verses in 1 Kings and the 20th chapter, call your attention to verses 39 and 40. Verse 39, 1 Kings chapter 20. And as the king passed by, he cried unto the king, and he said, Thy servant went out into the midst of the battle. And behold, a man turned aside and brought a man unto me and said, Keep this man. If by any means he be missing, then shall thy life be for his life, or else, Thou shalt pay a talent of silver. And as thy servant was busy here and there, he was gone. And the king of Israel said unto him, So shall thy judgment be. Thyself hast decided it. God describes our Christian life in military terms. Throughout the Bible, you see a reference toward our life as Christians in the context of a battle or a battlefield or a fight. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, fight the good fight of faith. He tells him in 1 Timothy 1 and verse 18 that thou mightest war a good warfare. In 2 Timothy 2, in verse 4, he tells Timothy, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. We see the connotation of warfare. We see the connotation of a battle, of a fight, a military kind of a context when it comes to our Christian life. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says to put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Peter joins in this same kind of semantic in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. He says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Paul tells us to that our, our weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Paul said in Romans 7, verse 23, I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. So over and over again, we see as we read through the scriptures that God tells us we are in a battle. Now, Anybody that's been walking around the campus of West Coast Baptist College the last four months, if you're breathing at this point, if you're still alive, if you've survived to this point, you understand you are discovering that here in Bible College, one of the biggest enemies in this battle is busyness. We're just flat out busy. I mean, if you're not, then you probably haven't been to class. (laughs) You probably haven't been out in ministry. You probably have just been laying in bed all semester. It's a busy time in your life. Are you discovering that oftentimes the enemy that we face most is just that we're busy? The truth is, it's not that you did not intend this semester to neglect your Bible reading. That, that, that wasn't your mission. You, you didn't come to Bible class saying, well, now I'm, I'm never going to read my Bible. It's not that you had a thought, well, I don't need to pray. We didn't go through this semester thinking it's it, it's not important to go tell somebody about Christ all of you intended to do well in your studies nobody started a class back in August thinking I hope I fail this none of you looked at the syllabus that first day and said oh yeah I'm going to fail this one. Can't wait. You know, I I can't wait to neglect all these projects. I can't wait to say, no, I didn't read that. We intended to call home. We, We intended to write our pastor. But you know what? We got busy, didn't we? And a lot of the things that I just mentioned are true in all of our lives to some degree. There are things that, that, that we, we look back at a point in a semester and we, we think, I, I, I wish I'd done a little better at that one, or I wish I'd done more in that area, or I, 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 I intended to, to, to get a better grade, or, or, or to be more faithful in this area. But the truth is, we got busy. And I want to look this morning at four skirmishes in this battle with busyness. At first, I see an assignment. In the midst of this battle that's going on here in 1 Kings chapter 20, an assignment is given to a man, and we do not know exactly who he is. We do not know exactly what role he had in the battle. We don't know whether he was a a, a part of a a, a troop or part of a a command. We, we, We really don't know much about this man, but he is given an assignment. Have you ever felt like you were finally starting to get caught up? You ever felt like, man, you know, I'm starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. I, I had a good weekend, I got some projects done. I, I caught up a little bit on my reading. I, 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 I even had some time with the Lord. and I went out, soul went in and, and had some, uh, some good contacts and somebody said they'd even come, and, and, and you, feel, you feel like, hey, I, I'm starting to get my head above water. And then some teacher Monday morning announces a test on Wednesday. Or, or somebody in the dorm wants to talk. And all of a sudden, you're buried again. And it's amazing how we, we try to schedule, we try to put things on a to-do list, we, we try to get our outlook set up so that we, we we space our work out and we got it all figured out. And then it just seems like there's so many things that come into our life unexpectedly and, and all of a sudden, we're, we're buried in busyness. At that point, we start shuffling. We start moving some things around, and, and, and we take some of those things maybe that initially we knew were important, but we, we start kind of moving them down on the, on the priority list. We say, well, I, you know, I wasn't expecting to have to do this, and so, you know, I'm going to have to let this slide. I, I, I intend to do it. I, I, I wanted to do it. I, I, I had every intention and, 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 and goal in doing it, but, but there's just all this other stuff. We start moving some things around in our priorities. But young people, there are some things in this battle that have been assigned that we must be very careful we do not remove or deprioritize. We have a prayer assignment. Sometimes I think that as Christians, we get so focused and so overrun with the specifics of God's will in our life. And you're at a stage in your life where you're trying to find the specific will of God. Some of you as seniors, you, 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 you've got a decision to make as to where you're going to serve in the next few months. You, 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 you've got to find the specific place that God wants you. And, and, and we, get a, we, we get bogged down sometimes in these specifics because they're very important decisions. But young person, in the midst of those specifics, don't ever, don't ever underestimate the importance of the general will of God. We have an assignment to pray. I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting. That is the will of God for every person in this room. That's an assignment. We have an assignment to have a relationship with our God. We have an assignment to meet with him every day. We have an assignment to to make sure our devotional life, our, our walk with God, our relationship with him is strong and in good condition. That's an assignment we dare not deprioritize. We dare not move off the schedule. A prayer assignment. We have a purity assignment. In 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 3, this is the will of God. That's pretty clear. You, You don't have to pray about that. You don't have to scratch your head and say, well, I wonder if I should do this or not. I wonder if I should even put this on the list. I wonder if this is important. No, this is an assignment. This is the will of God, even your sanctification, that every man, every man should take care of his vessel. Let's talk about your body. You you have to, God says your your vessel, your body, is to be sanctified. You're, You're to be pure. That's an assignment, you can't say, well, yeah, but this came along and, and this temptation came and, 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 you know, I got involved in this and, and so I kind of I moved that aside. No, God says, keep thyself pure. That's an assignment. That's the will of God. You can't move that off the list. We have a prayer assignment. We have a purity assignment. We have a publishing assignment. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's a command. That's a mandate. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things. Listen, we have an assignment to get the gospel to the world. We have a praise assignment. The Bible says in everything, 1 Thessalonians 5, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God. See, these aren't negotiable. It's an assignment. And no matter how busy we get, no matter what comes our way today, we've got a prayer assignment, we've got a purity assignment, we've got a publishing assignment, we've got a praise assignment. We've been given an assignment. And notice with it comes secondly an accountability. Now this man is told up front, the importance of this assignment. He's told that he's going to be held accountable. He's told what the ramifications are if he fails in the assignment. There's an accountability, and there are no excuses. In verse 39, he says, "Uh, uh, keep this man. He doesn't give him any, any loopholes here. He gives a command, keep this man. No alibis, no instead ofs, no ifs, ands, and buts about it. When I was in college, I was listening to Dr. Monroe Parker preach one day, and he preached often in the college. And and, uh, he was preaching one day, and he he, he gave this quote. I, I don't know if it was original with him or not, but he said, an excuse is a lie wrapped in the skin of reason. Now, I wrote it down, I wrote it in the front of my Bible, in fact, that that sounded really good, that sounded really, really, you know, smart. (laughs) If I say that, people think I'm smart, so I wrote it down. But it it was too complicated for me really to understand. But I looked at that quote many, many times after that, and I've thought about that quote many, many times in my life since, and I've seen it used by others and books and so on, and it really is true. An excuse is a lie wrapped in the skin of reason. How many times do we make an excuse for an assignment from God, which is really just a lie wrapped in our own reasoning? Well, I, I, I didn't have time. I didn't feel like it. I You know, something else came up. I I didn't feel adequate. Or, you know, we we come up with this rationale. We come up with this this pass that we've sort of devised in order to give an excuse. In reality, it's a lie. Are you making excuses about the assignments that God has given us? There are no excuses, there are no exceptions. He says, keep this man, if by any means he be missing. This sounds serious, doesn't it? I mean, this man is given this assignment, and and, and there's an accountability that goes with it. This is an important task. Young people, we need to make sure that God's not wasting his breath. God didn't just write stuff in the Bible to fill up a book so you could carry it around to church. We often say they aren't the 10 suggestions, they're the 10 commandments. This is not a book filled with options. It's filled with obligations. You know, the Bible's not just, well, yeah, that, that's, that's nice. That's a good theory. Those are some good ideas. Yeah, I'll, I'll consider that. No, that's not why God gave the Bible. This is our, our owner's manual. This is our instruction guide. This, this is how we're to live. This isn't a bunch of theory. This isn't a bunch of, you know, uh, uh, well, you know, try this, and if that doesn't work, maybe there's something else. God gives us an assignment, and, and, and he gives us an accountability. There are no excuses. There are no exceptions. Now, I think all of us in this room understand up to this point all of you are on board with this. At least you understand that, yeah, God, God has some assignments. They're important. I, I'm supposed to walk with him. I'm supposed to have a life that, that's honoring to him, that's pure and godly. I, I, I'm, supposed to, I'm supposed to pray, and I'm supposed to praise him, and I'm supposed to tell others about him. I get that. And I understand that one day I'm going to be accountable. One day I'm going I'm to give a report. One day I'm going to have to, you know, as we talked about yesterday, take that final exam. But remember, this is a battle. And so thirdly, look at the allurement, the allurement. In verse 40, as thy servant was busy here and there. Now, busy here and there, that, that, that phrase here and there, it, it's, it's kind of just a, a, almost seems like a trite little add-on to this. I, I was busy And and he kind of adds on to that, I was busy here and there. And I got to thinking about that that phrase, because we might use that phrase. You know, I was doing this and that. You know, I was here and there. I was running all over the place. Busy here and there. But I think in that little phrase, I see a misdirected passion as he responds to the, the problem here, the, the guy disappears, the guy's gone. He was given this task to watch this man, and he got busy, and, and now the man's gone. And, and and so his his explanation is I was busy here and there. First, there's a, a misdirected passion. I was busy here. Something within. Something inside of him took some precedence over the assignment. I was busy here. Something inward. Now now listen, all of us are driven by something within. Sometimes it's a good thing, sometimes it's not a good thing. But we all have, we have appetites. We have desires. We have passions. We have things that, that motivate us to an extent to just get out of bed in the morning, to exist, to go forward in our life. There are things within that, that, that drive us, but there's always that battle within. There's that, that contest within. All of us are driven towards something within us some people within them there's this desire to make money for some there's a desire for the lust of the flesh for some there might be a desire to 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 travel there might be a desire to whatever but there's something within us what's what's within you what is it that that drives you and me from within Psalm 42, in verse 1, the psalmist said, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Job said in chapter uh, 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 38, he said, Lord, all my desire is before thee. The psalmist in Psalm 73, verse 25, when, Whom have I in heaven but thee? There's none that I desire upon the earth beside thee. Is that in you? Is that, what, is that what's in you? Is that what's here? Or are you busy in here with anything but that? Do we have a passion within for God? Oh, I know we can come to a service and get whipped up into a frenzy about God. But oftentimes we walk out and it fizzles with the last song because there's nothing in here. What's in here? Oh, it's great to be in a place like West Coast where, man, every day we come into chapel and, and we know it's going to be good. We know that there's going to be some preaching and there's going to be some singing and there's going to be some exciting announcements and it's going to be a time where we're all together and it's a, it's a good time of, of just rejoicing and, and worshiping God and, and letting God speak to our heart. But guys, if there's nothing within by this time, in four days... There's no chapel. A week from now, 10.30 in the morning, if there's nothing within you, where will you be? What will you be doing? I can answer that question. Whatever is driving you inside is what you'll be doing. Some of you, you'll be playing a video game. Or you'll be doing something that's contrary to the assignment. This guy got busy here. He got busy in here. He had a misdirected passion, but then he said I was busy here and there. So there was an allurement not only within his own heart, and we all have that battle within, because we still live in our flesh, we, we still have this old nature, and so within us there is that capacity, there's that potential to follow something ungodly, to, to get misdirected in our way, but, but, but also he said, I got busy here and there, indicating something without. No, oh boy. There's a lot of things without that can get us out of the battle. That, that can draw us away from the assignments. That, that can, can detour us and, and get us off track in a, in, in a heartbeat. And, and as an administration, we sometimes fear these breaks. Oh, we enjoy the break. Believe me. We're not, we're not going to get rid of them. <laughs> no student governments getting rid of Christmas break. I'll tell you that we enjoy the break as much as you do but there's a certain sense of fear in our heart because we recognize that if there's not something within you the things without are going to get to you in the battle and that's why the writer of proverbs he said let thine eyes look right on let thine eyelids look straight before thee ponder the path of thy feet let all thy ways uh, be established turn not to the right hand or to the left Remove thy foot from evil. Listen, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Moses was raised in Egypt. Moses certainly faced the allurement from without. The education, the the, the money, the fame, the women, it was all there for Moses. Moses. All he had to do was just kind of walk the line and, and Moses was going to have it all. But the Bible says by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ's greater riches than the treasures in Egypt." See, there's an allurement over here, the treasures of Egypt, the the things the world has to offer. And if we don't have it settled within, boy, the without's going to get us in this battle. Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself with the portion of the king's meat or the wine that he drank. See, he didn't get too busy within that the without allured him away from God. Enter not into the path of the wicked, go not in the way of evil men, neither yield yourselves as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. There's an allurement in this battle. And finally, we see there's an acknowledgement, there's an assignment, there's an accountability. There's an allurement, and finally, an acknowledgement. In verse 40, we, we see a somber regret. He said, as I was busy here and there, he was gone. He was gone. I got busy. I got distracted here and there. I really don't know. I I didn't see him run off. I I didn't see him leave. It, It just happened. I got busy. The semester's gone. Fall semester, 2018, is gone. We'll never get it back. It's gone. Whatever we were supposed to do that we didn't do can never be done. It's gone. Sooner than you realize, Someday you're going to wake up and realize time is gone. You're going to realize your talent is gone. You're going to realize your strength is gone. You're going to realize your opportunities are gone. In fact, one day you'll realize your life is gone. That's why God says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow. Thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. See, what we do is we say, Well, it's not, look, I, I know what I need to do and I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'm just busy today. We, we don't intend. Never to pray. We, we don't intend never to tell our loved ones about Christ. We, we, we don't intend never to read our Bible. We have all those intentions. Tomorrow. But God says, what is your life? It's even a vapor that appeareth for a little time. Then vanisheth away. Man cometh forth like a flower, and is cut down. A somber regret. He was gone. And the king responds. A self-inflicted result. In verse 40, the king of Israel said unto him, so shall thy judgment be. Thyself has decided it. We bear the responsibility of the assignment. It's individual. Well, nobody else in my room read their Bible. Nobody on the floor in my dorm was very godly, so my friends didn't go soul winning. Job said, and be it indeed that I have erred, mine error remaineth with myself. If thou be wise, Proverbs 9, 12 says, thou shalt be wise for thyself. But if thou scornest, thou alone shall bear it. Ezekiel said, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. But the righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. What I'm trying to say is, look, we can all kind of cloak ourselves with this reason, this, this lie that, that we call an excuse and say, well, you know, I was just busy and, and, and this and that and, and this person and that person and, well, you know, the college didn't do their part and, and, and this happened and my parents, you know, have this problem and back home and, and we can come up with all of that. One day the king is going to say, thyself hath decided it. When I arrived at college, I wasn't sure what I was doing there. I I went to college to stay alive. I came within five seconds of dying my senior year in high school. As I was running from God, and God told me, you better do right or I'm going to kill you. And one of the assignments was go to Bible college. And I said, okay, I like to live. I'll go. I didn't necessarily want to be there, but I wasn't necessarily there to make a problem. I just didn't know what God had in mind at that point. There were two men, they weren't in the administration. One was a a teacher, well, they were both teachers, but one was primarily a teacher, was his role. The other was a teacher and and a coach. And these two men began to have an impact on my life. For whatever reason, I, I, I gravitated toward them, I liked them, I enjoyed their class. They were friendly. They had no reason to really reach out to me. I was not the kind of person that would have been worth investing in at that point in my life. I was hanging with a a wrong crowd. In fact, my three best friends had all been expelled by January or by the end of the semester. Our semester ended in January. They had no reason to kind of take me under their wing if you please. But they did. And I responded to it in the sense that I, I wanted them to to give me advice. I, I I wanted them to counsel me. I I wanted them to try to take my life and begin to shape it. I respected them. The the coach, for instance, he was a he was six eight. He 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 was a man that had played basketball at the University of Wisconsin. Was on their national championship team. Uh, was a sixth man on the, on the team that Lou Hudson, Archie Clark played on. And, and uh, so I, I I greatly respected him from an athletic standpoint. And so that was kind of the foundation or the platform, if you please, that drew me to him, but, but I found upon getting to know him and taking classes from him that he was far more than, 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 than basketball. It was, it, was, it was something about God and, and serving God and, and being a good student and, and these kinds of things. And I, I began to, to go to him for some counsel and some advice. and In fact, I remember that first summer came and I, I said, coach, you know, what do you think I ought to do? I've got a chance to maybe do an internship at a church. And he said, you ought to do it. And I remember getting counsel from, from him. The other man, a teacher, and teaching some classes that I was taking, kind of the direction I was going in Christian education at that time. And he was teaching a number of classes. And again, I, I liked him. He, he often traveled with our, our football team. He kept our stats. And, and so I got to know him on the road a little bit that way. And he was, he, he was, he was not an athletic kind of a guy, but he, he loved to, to, to get involved in the sports program. And, and so that kind of drew me in, I suppose, again. And both of these men, through my college years, Boy they were they were the people I'd go to My senior year was announced that this coach had not returned to teach that semester He had joined the PGA He was going to play professional golf I thought what He told me to go into the ministry. I mean, he's been been mentoring me to to preach. He's been mentoring me to, to, to serve the Lord. He's playing golf. It wasn't many weeks after that that the other gentleman that I described, one day the president of the college, he came before us in chapel and he announced that he had been fired. He did not feel liberty to give us the reason he said, Young people, you just have to trust us. He was gone. I went to his house right after chapel. He told us not to, but I did. I wanted to see him, find out what was going on. His house was completely empty. I had been at a drama practice the night before till 10 o'clock with him. Now, the next morning, his house is empty. And I remember standing on that porch thinking, what is going on? I mean, one guy's playing golf. The other guy, I don't know what he did, but he did something bad, I guess. And I, I said, Lord, I don't understand. And I remember on that porch, it was like the Lord said, you don't need to. All I want to know is what are you going to do? Boy I got back in my car and as I drove back to campus I thought, yeah what am I going to do? I've got a chance to use a good excuse here. I've got an opportunity here to bail out. I mean the guy who was in front of the line left. <laughs> the guy I was following is gone. I've got a good reason to step out of rank as well. Forget this battle. i glad I didn't. What am I saying this morning? There's, there's a battle. And the road to failure is paved with good intention. How many times this semester have you said, when it's not so busy, I will I've said it. When it, when it just kind of slows down a little, I'll, we won't be too busy for the rapture. When that trumpet sounds, we'll be on time. We're going up.
1: Whatever, whatever's
0: on your to-do list that day, won't matter. You will not be too busy for the rapture. You won't be too busy to die. When God calls your number. You're not going to say, uh, Lord, I, I, I got a couple things to take care of first. We won't be too busy for the judgment. But we can get too busy to prepare. We'll go, we'll go up in the rapture. Or we will die, one or the other. And right after it, we will stand before God. We won't be too busy. But we can get too busy to prepare. I was busy here and there, he was gone. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, I don't know if there's a busier campus anywhere in America than the campus of West Coast. I don't know of a church that's any busier than Lancaster Baptist Church. I I don't know many Bible college students that work as hard as these kids do. I look at some of the hours they work a job. I I studied that survey. They took a, a while back and I saw the hours they're taking in class and the hours they spend studying and their jobs and their ministries. And Lord, I don't know the half of it, but I know we're busy. But Lord, help us not to be so busy that we lose the very things that you've assigned us because we will be accountable. And may we not stumble over the allurements within or without lest we one day acknowledge that I was busy here and there and my time was gone. My energy was gone. My opportunities were gone. Help us to learn from this man a lesson today. As the piano begins to play We can learn from mistakes, can't we? We can make mid-course adjustments. We can recalibrate sometimes things in our life to get back on track. While we can't change what we did the third week in September or didn't do, we can change what we'll be doing next Friday or the first week of January, or five years from now, we can't change some things about the future. So learn from the past and make the adjustment.